MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Today, the FBI releases the first 9-11 documents after Biden's order. U.S. Capitol Police arrest a man with a bayonet near the DNC headquarters in D.C. The January 6th Select Committee is asking for information from social media companies. And Amy Coney Barrett is concerned about the public perception of the Supreme Court. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Dana, Amy Coney Barrett is is having a she's having a Collins. She's having a Susan Collins. She is. And she's not at the level of trouble, though. We're still at concerned, right? Right. No, we're, we aren't at concern threat level yellow yet. Okay, I think good. this is. Yeah. yeah, this is still whatever is between green and yellow. Kind of a, a chartreuse, I think. Yeah. Of concern. Seems like a threat level that's appropriate. Yeah. Chartreuse of concern is the episode title. <laughs> it's <laughs> right? nice when it comes so early, isn't it? Oh, that's a yes. horrible. I probably not. I, every woman out there listening and every man was gay man was like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I had a really good episode title for Mueller. She wrote this past weekend on Sunday. I recorded an episode about how there was a slap case on oh, oh, defamation. It was dismissed and it was really funny and in Florida, they have these slap laws, right, where you're trying to, oh, Twitter. It was the, oh, remember the guy who owned the Mac store in the Hunter Biden laptop debacle? Yes, yes. He he apparently was suing Twitter for defamation because Twitter made it seem like this guy who owned the Mac store was a hacker. Like Twitter as a whole or Jack? Uh, just that because <laughs> they wouldn't post the New York Post article about oh, the Hunter right. Biden laptop. Right. And so they insinuated and this and that. And and of course, the judge is like, no. And then Twitter filed back and said, we want slap. We want fees. Our attorney's fees paid because in in Florida, there's these slap statutes that say you're trying to impede on my First Amendment. And the judge awarded them. And and so the title of the episode was Hunter Biden's Slap Top. And I thought that that was just so clever. <laughs> Again, I really enjoy when you make yourself happy. It's small things. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Some people call it bragging. Nah. <laughs> but uh, we do have a, a, a pretty great show today on the beans. Uh, Frank Vigluzzi is going to join us. It's been a while since we talked to our friend. And we're going to discuss the U.S. Capitol Police investigation into their own cops. And that they knew about the threat of violence and prepared for it ahead of January 6th. I may or may not be here also, and I don't know yet, but I may or may not be here on Thursday. They had a last minute call for female veterans to appear on a show that tapes this Thursday in Los Angeles. And if I I sent in my reel and if I get that particular job, I won't be able to record Thursday. However, I happen to have some amazing interviews and I will, of course, record headlines for you. And so there will be a show. It'll be all brand new content. It'll be awesome. And so I just want to let everyone know if the format seems a little different on Thursday, 
It's because I got accepted to this thing. And is it Thursday or Friday? Oh, is it recording? Yeah, good call. We record it. We would record Thursday, so it would be Friday's show. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to let everybody know that. Uh, so when you hear something different and fancy and weird on Friday, if that happens, it's because <laughs> I got another job. Just don't question it. Just go with it. Yeah. Just be like, hey, this is fucking rad. All right. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. A lead story today happened over the weekend. The Federal Bureau of Investigation on Saturday released the first of what is expected to be several documents related to its investigation of the 9-11 terrorist attacks and suspected Saudi government support for the hijackers following an executive order by President Joe Biden. The newly declassified document, which is from 2016, provides details of the FBI's work to investigate the alleged logistical support that a Saudi consular official and a suspected Saudi intelligence agent, a.k.a. spy, in Los Angeles provided to at least two of the men who hijacked the planes on September 11, 2001. The document, released on the 20th anniversary of the deadly attacks, still contains significant redactions. It details multiple connections and witness testimony that prompted FBI suspicion over Omar al-Bayoumi, who was purportedly a Saudi student in Los Angeles, but whom the FBI suspected to be a spy. The FBI document describes him as deeply involved in providing travel assistant lodging and financing to help the two hijackers. A group of family members and survivors of the 9-11 attacks said the report released Saturday night puts to bed any doubts about Saudi complicity in the attacks. Quote, even with the unfortunate number of redactions, this report contains a host of bombshell new revelations implicating numerous Saudi government officials in a coordinated effort to mobilize an essential support network for the first arriving 9-11 hijackers. Nawaf al-Hazmi, and Khalid al-Midar. That's a 9-11 Families United statement. Here's another quote. The range of contacts at critical moments among these Saudi government officials, al-Qaeda and the hijackers, is stunning. The Saudi government has denied any government involvement in the attacks, but the allegations of Saudi government complicity have long been the subject of dispute in Washington. We've known for a long time, Dana, right, that immediately, like all flights were grounded except Saudis right. needing to flee the country. The 9-11 Commission established by Congress said in 2004 it had found no evidence the Saudi government as an institution or senior Saudi officials individually funded al-Qaeda, although a number of commission members have since said, including in declarations that were submitted as part of the lawsuit, that the review did not include an exhaustive investigation of evidence of possible Saudi government involvement. So so we'll be seeing um, more of that come out. And I think I find it so fascinating and also kind of uh, the fact that so much of, of these are still redacted yeah, do, doesn't bring me peace no. in trying to find out what happened on 1-6 or in 2016 right. or in, 20, in 2020, because this is 20 years old and these are still redacted documents. We'll see if they, if they put out more information, but, you know, at least some of the people and families... I don't want to say closure. It's not closure, but it's at least validation. You know what I mean? Well, and it kind of reminds me. Yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of when we only got the first half of the March 2019 Bill Barr memo from the Department mm-hmm. of Justice, but they appealed releasing the second half. We learned a lot of fucked up shit in the first half of that memo. Right. But the media was so focused on them trying to appeal the second half of the memo that we never had a full on conversation about the fact that we learned it, it wasn't deliberative and that Barr lied to the court. The Department of Justice under Barr lied to the court. So yeah, it just kind of has that sort of feeling echoes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. So my first story actually comes from the U.S. Capitol Police website. 
This morning, the United States Capitol Police arrested a California man who had multiple knives in his truck near the Democratic National Committee headquarters. And this is a quote. This is good police work, plain and simple. That's from Chief Tom Manger. He said, we applaud the officer's keen observations and the teamwork that resulted in this arrest. After midnight, a special operation division officer was on patrol when he noticed a Dodge Dakota pickup truck with a swastika and other white supremacist symbols painted on it. And that was outside the DNC headquarters. The truck did not have a license plate. Instead, a picture of an American flag was placed where the license plate should be. The Capitol Police officer pulled over the truck along the 500 block of South Capitol Street Southwest. The officers noticed a bayonet and a machete, which are illegal in Washington, D.C., inside the truck. The driver, who's 44-year-old Donald Craighead, okay, of Oceanside, California, was arrested for possession of prohibited weapons. Now, Craighead said he was on patrol. This is what he said. Uh, He was on patrol, and he began talking about white supremacist ideology and other rhetoric pertaining to white supremacy. And a quote, this is an excellent example of the work our officers do every day, said Operational Services Bureau Deputy Chief Jason Bell. We're so proud of these officers for their vigilance. The USCP Investigations Division is continuing our investigation on the subject. So at this time, it's not clear if he was planning to attend any upcoming demonstrations or if he has ties to any previous cases in the area, i.e. January 6th. I assume they're referring to this planned September 18th rally, AG, that the U.S. Capitol Police have been preparing for and putting up fences around the Capitol to defend against. Sources are saying those offenses will come down soon after September 18th once the threat has been passed. I do think it's interesting, and I'm not taking away any work that the police officers did, but it makes me giggle a little bit that they're like, this was excellent work, and the truck had swastikas, no license plate, white supremacist symbols painted on it, and the guy was like, I'm going to pull him over. Mm. I think I would have done the same. Yeah, I'm on patrol, says Craighead of Oceanside. What the fuck? Jeez. I hate to laugh at this because of, you know, this awful of the severity of it of course cancerous rise of of anti-semitism and and white supremacy and extreme violence domestic violence in this country we're going to talk a little bit later in the show with frank vigluzzi about that threat and how long it's been around i mean dana i remember being in high school and strapping up some doc martens to go punch nazis at punk shows you know i mean it, it yeah it's it's not new i loved everything about that sentence i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. You know, we don't approve of violence here on the Daily Beans, but sometimes Nazis need to be punched. And to to be fair, they were mosh pits. Totally. It was an accidental punching. It it was an accidental Nazi punching, like a drive by fruiting, but different. Yeah, it was a drive by fruiting. (laughs) Also, also in the news today, the House committee investigating the deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th issued a not-so-subtle threat Friday to social media companies, saying the panel still needs much more information and would use any available means to compel them to cooperate. Quote, the majority of the social media companies are cooperating with the probe. However, we need to receive much more information, and the select committee will use whatever tools are at our disposal to get the records we are seeking. The committee could use its subpoena power to seek records, but so far hasn't. The committee is referring to the 15 social media companies, including... Facebook, Twitter, Google, and YouTube that have been asked to turn over a range of records related to company policies dealing with extremism, misinformation, and foreign influence. The committee did not specify which companies haven't provided the information it needs. Facebook! (coughs) (laughs) You okay? Got something in your throat? I had a Zuckerberg in my throat and uh, it got stuck there. 
I've got some Zucker, Zuckerberg and Mike and Nectikazoink. Anyway, it doesn't say that. I'm I'm obviously speculating. But these documents requests are different than the, you know, the preservation requests the committee sent to 35 social media and telecommunication companies to preserve phone records, among other types of records, in the event the committee needs them. It is likely that many of the requests for documents from the Trump White House will turn into a fight over executive privilege. That fight could come not just from former President Donald, but from a Biden White House concerned about the president that could be set over congressional access to material from the executive branch, to which I say, fuck off, <laughs> hand it over. Yeah. In general, the, don't do shady shit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Interestingly, though, Dana, in a story out from the Wall Street Journal this weekend, we're reminded that Zuckerberg personally intervened to allow some violent Donald posts to stay up. It, because, you know, VIPs have to go through high levels of Facebook right. when they determine whether or not to pull a post. And, and, and Zuckerberg told Congress, yeah, I personally intervened and allowed some of these violent rhetoric posts to stay up that Trump posted, admitting, too, that if it were anyone else who posted these things, it would have been taken down. So mm. I listen, I want to day in and day out quit Facebook because I just hate that I'm giving this guy any bit of my attention. But obviously, for both of us, it's it's a necessary means to reach our base and our fans. It's it's a definitely a double edged sword. For the last story, I just want to file this out uh, under get the fuck out of here. Supreme Court Justice, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Oh uh, wait, okay, so we have to come up with a jingle. Um, let's see, um, what you're saying doesn't seem quite clear. It's time to play. Get the fuck out of here. All right, there you go. Perfect. That's it. Uh, so uh, that, this will be our first story under get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett expressed concerns Sunday, concerns that the public may increasingly see the court as a partisan institution. Mm. Justices may be hypervigilant to make sure they're not letting personal biases creep into their decisions since judges are people too, mm. Barrett said at a lecture hosted by the University of Louisville's McConnell Center. Wait, the what center? You heard me. McConnell, as in Mitch McConnell, because he's the one that introduced her at this talk. He also founded the center and played a key role in pushing through her confirmation in the last days of the former guy's administration. Barrett spoke at length about her desire for others to see the Supreme Court as nonpartisan. Yeah, there's an easy way to do that, Amy. Yep, real easy way to do that. Maybe not do a bunch of shadow dockets. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Mm. Barrett said... The media's reporting of opinions doesn't capture the deliberative process in reaching those decisions. And she insisted that judicial philosophies are not the same as political parties. I just fucking can't. When a student asks about, specifically, what about SB8, Texas shadow docket decision, Barrett actually said out loud it would be, quote, inappropriate to comment on specific cases. I don't like when people call me out in public, so I'm not going to speak anymore. Um, you know, there's a simple way if you desire others to see the Supreme Court as nonpartisan, uh, allow cameras in the court and release deliberative notes. I mean, absolutely. That's a great way. Jesus. Anyway, sounds like she's moving the truth or prepping for the backlash of the court that the court is and will continue to receive on the shadow docket, Dark Money and SB8. It seems like, you know, Sheldon Whitehouse and this Biden commission to look into court reform are probably going to be coming out with some really yucky stuff. And it seems like she's trying to get ahead of the game saying, but don't judges are people too. Don't oh. hate me because I am fucking wrong. And I was bought and paid for. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we'll be right back with Frank Figluzzi 
to discuss what's going on with the January 6th intelligence investigation. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison Gill with The Beans. And today's episode is brought to you by Upstart. Being in debt is the worst. Even though it feels so frustrating and insurmountable, there is a way out. You can get back on track and pay off your debt quickly with Upstart's online personal loan service. Over half a million people have used Upstart to consolidate debt and pay off credit cards and fund personal expenses with simple fixed payments. Other lenders only look at your credit score, but Upstart looks at income and employment history too. You're more than just a number to them, and this means they can offer smarter rates for you with their trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. And upon approval of your loan, the funds can be available as quickly as one business day. I know lots of people lived off credit cards during the lockdown, ran up debt. Um, you know, every I dread looking at my credit card statements because you make those minimum monthly payments, but it's mostly interest, so the principal never decreases. So I recommend checking out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash daily beans. Please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and other certain information provided in your loan application. So just head to upstart.com slash daily beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back today. I am joined by the uh, former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, author of the book, The FBI Way, which I highly recommend. And of course, host of the podcast, The Bureau. Please welcome Frank Figluzzi. Frank, hello. Hi, A.G. It's been a while. Glad we can do it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't spoken to you in a while, but all of a sudden we've got all these stories popping up that involve the FBI and intelligence and the Capitol Police with regards to the insurrection. And I, I figured, you know, hey, you are an expert in these areas. And so I wanted to get your top line thoughts because, you know, I have my own, but I don't have the experience that you have. So first of all, a report came out from Politico about a, a phone call with apparently over 300 people who were prepping for violence, potential violence, on January 6th at the Capitol. And there was some insinuation in this political report that it may have alleviated some of the FBI, the pushback against the FBI for is this being an intelligence failure. But it seems like there's kind of a missed understanding about the structure of how these reports got out and who was, you know, trying to sound the alarms and, and who wasn't. Can you help us clarify what that is about. Yeah, well, we still have a huge degree of murkiness, so clarity is escaping us here. But but occasionally we get glimpses of what people were trying to do and what intelligence was out there. Um, It's clear now that this mantra we keep hearing that there was an intelligence indicating uh, the possibility of violence is just nonsense. And, And it's nonsense because we, we know, even from the FBI statements, that, you know, FBI Norfolk, they had an analyst who put out a, quite a report about potential violence. We also more recently heard that there was an FBI analyst out of, I believe, Alabama, out of the, the Bombing Analysis Center, who wrote a heck of an email saying, laying it all out. Here's, here are the receipts. Here's why I think it's going to get violent. He put that out. So we, it, the intel was there. It was, there was a failure to act on the intel. Now, the more recent political reporting is all about a fusion center in the District of Columbia. Let me explain what what that is. After 9-11, as you know, we stood up the thing called the Department of Homeland Security, and they very methodically set about setting up, you know, centers around the country, state, county, local, that would connect, help connect the dots. So there would be no concern or less concern that the feds weren't sharing with the locals, and equally, if not more important, that the locals were not sharing with the feds. Because really, 
where the rubber meets the road on Intel is the streets. And, and you can't beat intelligence units at city police departments for that. Okay. So these fusion centers stand up. The political reporting has to do with the DC fusion center. And the head of that center, it appears, put a call out based on intel he was seeing and that the fusion center was seeing. And he had allegedly hundreds of people on this call. And he said, anybody got anything? Essentially, we're worried. We think something might happen. We're even going to set up a spot within the FBI's eGuardian system. And people might say, what the heck is the eGuardian system? And that is another mechanism set up so that all the intel, all the threats are managed transparently so that all the member agencies can look at this FBI system, can load threats. Hey, we got a guy in Wisconsin saying X, Y, Z. The FBI can say, we've got a problem here. It's all there. It all gets numbered, tracked. Nothing gets lost in the, in the cracks. DC Fusion Center says, we're setting up a place in FBI Garden to talk about the DC threat and share. Okay, well, you know, th- that, that comes out. And what's the big takeaway? The DC Fusion Center pretty much seems left on its own. I feel horrible just reading it, right? That a local fusion center is going, can anybody help? Can anybody got anybody got anything? We're really worried. We're going to set up a place to chat about it. And even if you look in the down in the weeds on that conversation, what were they really focused on? Any anybody got anything on counter protesters? Counter protesters. Hmm. Again, reflecting not so much, you know, well, we got to worry about Proud Boys and what have you, but rather people who might mess with Trump's advocates, Trump's supporters. So it's just painful to read through all of these and realize nobody seems to have taken the reins, AG, at the federal level. And and I'm getting really weary of hearing, well, you know, the FBI doesn't protect buildings. DHS doesn't protect the Capitol. Um, it's all about the Capitol Police. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yes, their intel was horrible. But and their response was terrible. But where were the feds? Where was the FBI? What has changed to think we're going to get this right next time? Right. Why aren't you picking it up and then picking up the phone and, and not just issuing a Norfolk memo a couple of days before the thing happened? And, you know, who's responsible for checking those portals? And are there alert systems? And I mean, and why wasn't it declared with all the intel that was out there? Why wasn't it declared a national security special event? Yes. Which is what we do. We do it for the Super Bowl. We do it for, I think, Fourth of July fireworks. Come on. State of the Union. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. So (laughs) you're telling me that with intelligence indicating potential for violence and thousands showing up at a rally, that you are not concerned about the peaceful transition of power to the next president. Big, Big problem. And I have to think that politics and even pressure have entered into that decision. Yeah. And uh, what I think would help clear it up is whoever is supposed to make that declaration. Maybe there's communications about them considering it and refusing or having a conversation about whether or not to declare it as such. Or those are the things that we need to have come to light to help, you know, wade through the murkiness that you're talking about. So I have on that topic, I throughout my career, I've never been a huge fan of congressional investigations because and maybe this is the arrogance that comes from being in the FBI. Right. Well, no one can investigate in Congress. Come on. What you know, what are they going to do? They're going to get in our way. But I have to tell you, 
when it comes to this, absolutely, I am a advocate, strong advocate for the select committee and getting transparently to the bottom of this. Who pressured whom? What, did As you said, did anybody suggest a national security special event? Who said no? Because that, by the way, that's a Secret Service show. Really, they run national security special events. And what do we know about the Secret Service on January 6th? Yeah. Well, they sent they sent a memo to the Capitol Police saying, uh, we have some intel that you guys might get hurt. Uh, that's a Secret Service communication to the Capitol Police. But, but did they act on that? In other words, they brought a protectee into the Capitol, the vice president of the United States. They had intel saying the Capitol Police were going to get hurt. And did they bring their counter assault team to get Pence out? Nope. 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 They brought his usual detail, it appears, like they were going to go to, to church on Sunday with him. And, and you know, there they were. Uh, it, it's just mind boggling. Yeah. And we definitely def- to find out where these failures are, because if we don't, it's not just about like preventing it from happening again uh, by being more prepared, but it's also about preventing it from happening again through accountability and deterrence. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I, I cannot help but think. And I, by the way, I always I always will uh, assume incompetence first before thinking about a nefarious intent. And I think we see both here. But I also think the select committee needs to get to the bottom of, of whether there was nefarious intent here. Yeah, 100 percent. I'm with you on that. Having worked for the government myself for over a decade, it, you know, when we had the big scandal go down with the Department of Veterans Affairs. You know, is it willful killing of veterans by putting them on wait lists or is it probably incompetence? Right. <laughs> and, right. As we learned. But I have to tell you, since we're since we just experienced the the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11, here's the good news in, in our discussion. I'm really happy to say that I am absolutely convinced that that the, the mechanisms put in place after 9-11 have absolutely closed the gaps with regard to international terrorism. You know, there's a there's a thing called the National Counterterrorism Center in Northern Virginia, where CIA and FBI and everybody sits elbow to elbow every day. Everything is shared transparently. And, and all of these mechanisms are set up. Phenomenal. But God darn it. Now, here we are 20 years later. And when it comes to domestic threat, domestic terrorism, it seems like we haven't learned a thing with regard to connecting dots, intelligence sharing. You know, and it's like, oh, well, you're talking about international terrorism. Yeah, we fixed that. Well, OK, what did we not understand the gaps and apply them to the domestic threat here? No, we did not. Yeah, especially knowing the growing threat over the past decades of domestic violent extremism. How is it we're always reactive and not proactive? It's 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 baffling. But hopefully the select committee can help get to the bottom of this and hopefully we'll get some of that documentation to ho- kind of clear these uh, clear these issues up. I have another question about. Uh, January 6th, something that happened over the weekend, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure, I will. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's AG for the Daily Beans. And as a sponsor of the Daily Beans, I'm highlighting all form today. This is the best place to find gorgeous furniture made to your specifications for your living room and your family room. All form creates beautiful premium furniture designed specifically for you and delivered fast and free to your doorstep. With Allform, you get to customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of regular stores. You pick your sofa color, the configuration, the size, and the shape, and the fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant. I chose a three-seater sofa with whiskey-colored leather. I could never have a leather couch before, but because it's got a forever warranty and it's spill, stain, and scratch resistant, it's cool with the pod pets. It has a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge. 
It is comfy and roomy and modern, and it looks amazing. Allform delivers it fast, too, just three to seven days to arrive by mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools needed. They have beautiful armchairs and love seats, all the way up to eight-seat sectionals. You can always start small and add on later if you want. And best of all, like I said, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. So there's no hassle. And they also have that forever warranty I mentioned. It's literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by American Giant. In today's era of factory-produced clothes made overseas in sweatshop conditions, we need clothing that has a positive impact, not just on your wardrobe and not just on local communities, but on the planet. It has to be sustainable. So we buy these cheaply made clothes and they end up in landfills over and over. But American Giant goes beyond made in America. They forge lasting relationships with local manufacturers and workers and communities, and they obsess over every single detail of their clothing at every step of production. That's how they made their flagship classic full zip hoodie, which I own and love. And it went on to be called the greatest hoodie ever made. And as their product line has grown well beyond that first best-selling hoodie, their core commitment to revolutionizing your everyday wardrobe has not changed. I love the quality of American Giant Apparel. Their clothes are durable, but the fabric is soft and comfortable and it looks great. Their locally made clothing is not only wonderful and beautiful, it's better for both the wearer, the people and communities impacted every step, and the environment. So explore American Giant's collection of durable essentials at American-Giant.com. And you get 20% off when you use code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com. When you use promo code DAILYBEANS at checkout, you will get 20% off. Everybody, welcome back. We are here with Frank Figluzzi, a host of the Bureau, writer of the book, The FBI Way, which you really need to pick up. It just applies to every part of life, not just the FBI. And before the break, I had alluded to something that happened over the weekend. And I saw you on the airwaves, you know, giving commentary about it. And I wanted to bring you on to kind of repeat what you had said on television. And that has to do with the U.S. Capitol Police investigation into their own about nefarious behavior during the insurrection. And they came back with some results. Can you talk a little bit about these results and <laughs> you and I seem to agree on the level of whether or not it's enough. Well, I wish my first response not to be sarcastic is I wish we could talk more about the results. But guess what? We don't have many details here. Here's here's what happened. And I want to put this in proper context in a couple of ways. First, the good news is, and we know this, the vast, vast majority of the Capitol Police officers responded heroically yeah. on January 6th and have done their job. They've done it. They've done it since then heroically. The overtime the fatigue, all of it's astounding. They, they continue to protect the iconic symbol of our democracy and amen to them. And amen to the Capitol Police internal affairs folks who have been investigating allegations involving conduct in and around January 6th of their officers. And they, they, we now have learned on a Saturday, on a weekend when we were marking the 20th anniversary of 9-11, all of a sudden we see a press release from where, not the Capitol Police, but the U.S. Department of Justice that the Capitol Police are going to be disciplining six of their own for conduct uh, related to January 6th. And it has to do with vague things called conduct unbecoming. I think there's a dissemin some dissemination concerns and, and other conduct. Okay, let's put it in context. They investigated, I think, over 30 officers, and they came up with six um, who merit discipline. So, okay, that's a small percentage. Great. The other thing, the other context that's important to, to understand is this came out 
because DOJ, as they're pursuing through the FBI, the investigation of January 6th and arresting 600 people, right? They're now having to engage in what's called discovery. They've got to show the files and what they've got to the defense attorneys for these knuckleheads. And of course, the knuckleheads are, are wanting to say, well, I was led into the Capitol by a Capitol Police who moved a barricade, or nobody told me I couldn't go inside the Capitol. So now DOJ went, aha, we're going to have to show these defense attorneys that, well, some cops actually did move barricades and let people in, and they're being disciplined perhaps for it. Here are the internal affairs files. So on a Saturday during the 9-11 anniversary, we get a DOJ press release saying, hey, just so you know, uh, six guys at Capitol Police or gals are going to get disciplined. That's not adequate for me. We, the public needs more information. And here's, here's what I said on the air over the weekend. If you've got enough in internal affairs to discipline officers for their conduct related to a goddamn insurrection, why are you not firing them? In other words, what, what is so de minimis about your conduct? And look, I was in charge of disciplinary issues for a portion of my career as a unit chief in the Office of Professional Responsibility. I get it. There are things that there are gradations of misconduct, right? You don't fire everybody for all misconduct. Of course not. But if you've got misconduct, like inappropriate dissemination of information, a conduct unbecoming, and it's related to an unprecedented historical attempt to stop our democracy. And what are you what are you doing? Are you what a, a couple of days without pay? Do they even suspend without pay? I don't know what the policy is. We need, we need to know more about this. If we're going to have Capitol Police officers still on the force, having been disciplined in connection with an insurrection, I think the public demands, and I think Congress should demand, who are these guys and gals with badges still walking around the hallways, having been disciplined in connection with an insurrection? And defendants should also demand it as part of discovery, because this could be considered exculpatory. For example, if Barbara, what's her name, walks up and the the officer lets her in and takes a selfie with her and says, go right in. Yeah. Then how can you prosecute her for trespassing right. or which is, uh, et cetera? Bingo, bingo. And which is why from a PR standpoint, from a from a crisis communication standpoint, if this is, as you just said accurately, if all these details are going to come out in some criminal trial of a of an insurrectionist, why wouldn't you get out in front of that? Why would you play games and release this vague statement on a weekend? Why not just get it out? If you, you know, it's, it's, it's communications 101. Bad news has to get out fast. Get it out. Yeah, Tylenol. Shape it. Shape it. Get it out. Don't let it come out. Because the next thing that's going to happen is some def- criminal defense attorney yeah. is going to have the facts and wave them around at a press conference. Yeah, and then other defendants who might not have been let in by a nefarious U.S. Capitol Police officer will use this information in their defense for their defendants as well. And Yeah. So I would imagine if I were personally the Department of Justice, I would come out and say, these cops were bad. We're firing them. Here's what they did. Here's who they let in. Here's the cases that these that that we're currently prosecuting that these officers are involved in. So, I mean, that's just upfront accountability, because otherwise it's going to come out in the back end anyway. And you're going to and it could actually interfere with negatively impact the prosecution of other defendants. Yeah, this goes right toward prosecuting strategy and defense strategy. And, you know, again, get get it out now, because 
you know, it may be it may even be AG that they're going to have to ha- dismiss some of the cases because, yes, Officer Smith let uh, Harry from Houston in and we can't. And that's OK. Yeah. Then we should dismiss those that's cases fun. because of facts and evidence. But then we don't want to endanger other cases where they weren't helped. But now it can taint kind of the rest of the field. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I hope one of the things that isn't entering in here is, well, because I know this this is a true fact, that Capitol Police are horribly shorthanded. They're still working on godly overtime. All of the recommendations made in the review by retired General Honore about, you know, you, your 700 officers short. You know, we need a quick reaction force for the district. I, I don't think anything's been done with that. You can't possibly hire hundreds of officers that quickly. So I hope they're not sitting there going, well, we can't really fire Joe because we need somebody on the night shift. I, I hope that's not happening. No. Yeah. And I hope it's also not happening that the Department of Justice is like, well, we don't want to get too deep into this with, you know, because we're still investigating. Uh, it, but when they really should just be getting out in front of it and getting it to the public, because, you know, l- l- like you said, the facts are the facts and we have to go on the facts. And the last thing I, I would want to do if I were the Department of Justice would be to be mealy mouthed on something that could get six people off, six defendants off, but not endanger the other 430 cases. And in, an, and in a world where communications experts are allowed to weigh in, it would not even be DOJ releasing this press release. It would be the Capitol Police. You know, I, I, it's almost like, you know, hey, uh, I broke, you know, a kid, a kid breaks the, the neighbor's window with a baseball and mom and dad are going to handle it and, and go over and tell the neighbor, no, bring the kid with you. The kid needs to tell the neighbor, this is what I did. I'm sorry. And instead, we have DOJ. But, and by the way, there's really no direct connection to DOJ and the Capitol Police. Not, not really. And, and so, you know. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question. Why would what would be the motive for the DOJ to release this and not the U.S. Capitol Police? Well, because well, because we've talked about it because the prosecution of the knuckleheads uh, and insurrectionists from January 6th is a DOJ federal prosecution. And they're going to get nailed on discovery if they don't get this out. So, so wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall between in, in a meeting where DOJ is talking to Capitol Police? You going to get this thing out or do you want us to do it? Now, could you do it? And could you do it on a Saturday? If you have to, you have to do it. Yes, we have to do it. We have to give these files up in discovery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Capitol Police should have done it. Yeah. All right. So this is probably the DOJ trying to do the right thing with what little information they have. I think so. I think so. Yeah. All right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, thank you uh, very much. Out today is a new episode of the Bureau. I think it has to do with SWAT teams. Do I have that right? Ah, so so, so a little, yeah, a little preview. We Every Tuesday, we release a new weekly episode. and. This one is the head of SWAT team programs for the FBI. He's he himself is a veteran SWAT team leader at Washington Field Office. Mm-hmm. So some really good insights uh, into the capital region SWAT tactical response and how SWAT teams work throughout the country, including the first black female on a SWAT team in uh, FBI San Juan, the host- the elite hostage rescue team stationed at Quantico, Virginia. We'll get into all of those topics, including their preferred weapons and techniques. And that's Tuesday's episode. Awesome. That comes out today, everybody. It's the Bureau. And get a copy of the FBI way. We appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Frank Fagluzzi. Anytime. Take care, Adrian. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. 
Hello all, it's AG for the Beans, and this portion of the show is brought to you by the best sheets ever, Bowl and Branch. Small things can sometimes make a huge difference. As you know, I just started making sure that I complimented genuinely five people a day. And not only has it made a difference in the lives of others, it makes a difference in my life too. So those things seem small, but they can make a lasting impression. And all the little things we do add up to leave a lasting legacy. Bolin Branch was started by a husband and wife team that wanted to create a textile company that cared about the small things, the details, the stuff that would make their products last. And you feel the difference in their best-selling, beautifully crafted signature sheets. Bolin Branch sheets are my favorite. They're so buttery soft and luxurious. There's a magnificent drape and a silken texture. The cloud weight and super soft sateen weave gets softer with every wash. And they have a perfect balance of weight and breathability to pamper warm or cool sleepers through any season. There are no middlemen between you and Bowl and Branch, so you get luxury quality for the fairest price. And they stand behind their products and honor a 30-night worry-free guarantee if you're unsatisfied. So to experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit bowlandbranch.com. You get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. Just visit bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L and branch.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. And today's show is also brought to you by my new favorite trail mix. It's called Toodaloo. Say goodbye to boring, bland trail mix made with chemicals that harm your health and the planet. You know, almost all trail mix is filled with processed sugars and dirty nuts that are roasted in toxic refined oils like canola oil, palm oil, and soybean oil, but not Toodaloo. Toodaloo is the world's first all-natural, totally delicious, and climate-friendly trail mix packed with plant protein, superfoods, and adaptogens like lion's mane and ashwagandha to support your body and your mind. Toodaloo is available in five different delicious flavors, chocolate, maple brittle, coffee, barbecue, and hot and spicy. In each flavor, there's ancient herbs that promote a specific function in your body, too, like better skin or gut health. My favorite right now is Smoke Show. It's the barbecue flavor. It has 42 grams of plant protein per bag. It's also low in carbs. It supports energy flow to get you through the day. Toodaloo is grain-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, processed, sugar-free, and their packaging is plastic-neutral. And if you every order that they that you place, Toodaloo regenerates 100 square feet of polluted farmland back to rich, fertile soil. And it's delicious, nutritious food, cleaner planet, amazing snacks. I love snacks. And we've got a special offer for you. You get $5 off your first order of Toodaloo. Just visit toodaloo.com slash beans. That's toodaloo, T-O-O-D-A-L-O-O dot com slash beans. And Toodaloo is so confident you'll love it that each purchase has a 100% best taste guarantee. This will definitely become your favorite go-to snack, I promise. Seriously, its taste is amazing. So visit toodaloo.com slash beans to try it today. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And if you have any good news or confessions or corrections or <laughs> idioms or idiots of the Senate or oh. misheard lyrics or share... If you have anything, anything, literally, just send it to us. You can do that at, what is it, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And, you know, if you have a, a recommendation for a new game, somebody recommended a new game to me today, Dana, oh. in a DM, because I, I think I posted a tweet that somebody else posted on like Reddit. And it's, do you know the, you know, the, the Cohen song, Hallelujah? Of course, one of my favorites. Me too. And this person said, you pick a phrase, you pick a rhyme, repeat the sound another time. Five I ams, an extra beat will do you. Another rhyme, a rising note. Congratulations, you just wrote another goddamn verse to Hallelujah. And so that's <laughs> really funny. This might be a fun game we could also play if you want to write a verse to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, if you haven't seen that. Does that mean we have to sing it? We have to sing it. That's okay. We can do it. We would have to sing it. Okay. I can do that. Me too. Yeah. 
If I can't, I don't know if we can harmonize, but I'll try. I personally like Jeff Buckley's. I absolutely. I like Buckley's version. I really I do. Love Shrek. <laughs> love Cohen, but man, that Buckley version. Ooh. Oh, but did you see? Um, oh, I'm such a bad lesbian right now. I can see her, but I can't remember her damn name. She sang it at the Winter Olympics about ten years ago. I can't remember who. I know who you're talking. Oh, about. I'm. So, now I have to look this up because yep, every lesbian's going to be so disappointed in me. Winter Olympics. Her name keeps coming in and leaving. It's initials. It's initials. Katie yeah. Lang. Thank you, KD Lang. Ah, hey. There we go. Oh, God, I almost lost my lesbian card. Jesus, H. <laughs> I got to interview her in the early aughts. Nice. For a, a magazine I was writing for at the time called Lavender Lens. Yeah, her version of Hallelujah at the Winter Olympics that one year. Oh, <sighs> my goodness. Chills. Chills, chills. Good call. All right. Well, let's let's the, do the... This, the first line of the submission makes me laugh. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This is anonymous fiance. Pronouns he and him. Good news, my fiance's bridesmaids stopped being difficult (laughs) and have all ordered their dresses. This is a relief to my bride-to-be. Her friends were really stressing her out to the point of her having nightmares about the whole dress issue. We might have been on the verge of eloping. That would have been just fine by me. Now she gets to tell me and my groomsmen what we're wearing. I hope we don't have a bunch of issues. (laughs) What? Why wouldn't they order their dresses? I need to see these dresses now. Right? To see what the strike is about. Let's keep on going. This next one's from Sarah, pronouns she and her. Hi, AG. Sup, DG. Hey, Amy. Uh, Been a listener. (laughs) I don't know. Nice. (laughs) Nice read. Been a listener for only the last few weeks, but thought I'd finally throw some good news your way, especially given the recent shenanigans, one of my favorite words, going on. Hmm. I'm an army spouse, and I'm proud to note that my husband is due back stateside in a matter of about a week and a half from the time you read this. That's awesome. We're getting punted over to Fort Meade in Maryland, substantially closer to my hubby's parents, who have already threatened to spoil me with food. At least I die full of delicious food, right? Thanks for helping to keep me focused in the midst of prepping for the impending move. Find attached a few pics of our lost, our lost adopted kitty Colton. Colton Colton is no longer with us, but I'm convinced he saved my life before he lost his. We miss him terribly. And we plan to adopt a new kitty after the move to do right by his memory. Colton is a handsome, handsome fella. Oh, and I tell you what, I tell you what, Sarah, uh, tuxedos are the bestest companions. And I'm looking around the room right now to make sure that boobs isn't around to hear me say that about Bruce Willis. But <laughs> I, I'm so sorry that you lost this boy because look at what a honey. I know what a honey indeed. I, obviously, you got him right when you were supposed to. So, mm. well, well, thank you for that submission. All right. Next up from Terry, pronoun she and her, a submission for shit my kids said. A decade or so ago, I overheard my kids talking. Said one to the other, quote, I don't know what pumpernickel tastes like. Adding after a pause, did you know pumpernickel means devil's farts? The other replied, I guess we do know what pumpernickel (laughs) tastes like. (laughs) (laughs) Pumpernickel has and now never will enter our house as tax. Please accept this picture taken in my garden on the day Joe Biden was declared the winner of the 2020 presidential election, November 7th, 2020. I'll never forget this picture and the declaration. Make me happy. Thanks for all you do. Oh, what a beautiful bee pollinating. Hello. Hello, bumblebee. Hello, bumblebee. Or honeybee. This is a super short one, um, but I'll take it and then you'll end it. All right. My name is Guy. Pronounce he him. 
Here's a find the cat, a picture of my cat Mars. Mars is the youngest of our five cats, the others being Mittens, Matilda, Minty, and Maple. And look at that can, right in the center. That it. is really cute, it. though. Is that meatloaf? I was going to ask you the same thing. I feel like it is. It's hard to tell if it's meatloaf or Jack Black. Is that Mars of Mars, Mittens, Matilda, Minty, and Maple watching meatloaf? It could be. <laughs> See how I messed up your alliteration because I was being literal? It might be. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, my gosh. This is so adorable. So cute. Bruce Willis gets up in front of the television all, all the time. And I used to take photos because I was like, look, Bruce Willis wants to be in every movie. And at one point, Die Hard was on and it just goes, the screen goes black and it just says Bruce Willis really big. And my cat's like sitting there like, hey, it's just, it's awesome. Nice. All right. Finally, amicus brief in the SAG and ASL case, pronouns she and her. Hi, longtime listener and 30 years assistant director TV and film now retired. Nice. In answer to Amy's court question, no, an extra doing sign language would not qualify for a SAG voucher, but might get a bump if what they did was instructed by an assistant director. An extra who spoke during a scene without direction to do so would be fired and their transgression would be reported to the casting company. They would have cost the company time and money and even SAG approves of such punishments. A brief aside, while working on the show Dream On, oh, good show, I hired two young women who were deaf to work the day despite the disapproval of my boss. He didn't want to add to my workload. The gals were great and worked all day on assorted scenes without my boss recognizing their handicap until, for the last task of the day, the extras were told to gather under the boom mic and talk to each other for a walla, which is murmured talking laid down as background noise to the dialogue. My boss's mouth dropped open as the gals stood directly under the mic signing to each other. <laughs> That's awesome. I said, hey, they did exactly what you told them to. And everyone was delighted. And the crew gave the extras applause. Nice. For pod pet tax, I offer Casey, proving cats can smolder. Oh, hey, Casey. Hey, girl. Hey. Ooh. Meow. Hey, meow. Meow. Hey, meow. Hey, meow. Meow. Yeah. This is a beautiful look at the eyebrows. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for the amicus, the amicus brief. I see that word, the amicus brief. I learn new things all the time. I also love that you had such a long career as assistant director of TV and film. That's awesome. Yes. And Dream On was a great show. And I love that you hired these two young women and Me they all got too. that's so for Yay. Hey, they did what you said. Motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> I love it. But interesting to know that if you speak when you're not supposed to, you'll be reported. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I barely remember. The, I mean, these movies I was an extra in. I, I remember Walla, right? I remember that, like lay down this like just mumbling background talking sound. I mm -hmm. remember getting that. I remember getting room noise in it. But I, I don't specifically remember being told not to say anything. All I remember is Ivan Reitman coming up to the all the extras and just looking at us and putting his hands up in the air. And he just goes, act. Uh -uh. <laughs> and then walked away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness uh, but that's really interesting and good information thank you for that and uh we appreciate your submission if you have anything you want to submit anything at all really seriously just do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact that's the shoe it's a big big shoe thanks for the shoe right here in our shoe for today any final thoughts dana no i just i don't i want to have something poignant and i just don't that's all right hey we don't always have to have something poignant to That's say. That's right. All right, everybody else, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans.
The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.